by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California, and online at luckymojo.com. I'm your announcer, Evan Lionheart, evanlionheart.com in New Jersey. And in just a moment, we'll be joined by our co-host, Catherine Ironwood of luckymojo.com in Forestville, California, Deacon Millet of fortalters.org in the high desert of California, and this week's special guest, a voice you might recognize, Dr. Jeremy White of templeofmiriam.com in Seattle, Washington, bring us the topic of Jewish intercessors. Together, they will take your call and offer advice to address, ameliorate, and remediate your questions and problems about love, money, career, and spiritual protection. In traditional African-American folk magic practices, hoodoo, conjure, or root work, as defined and prescribed by the greatest spiritual hoodooists of our time, you can learn a lot just by listening. But if you're selected from among those who signed up at the Lucky Mojo Forum at forum.luckymojo.com and called into the show, then you'll be on the air and receive a free consultation. We'll be going to the phones in just a moment. But first, let's catch up with our co-hosts, Catherine Ironwood and Deacon Millett. Ms. Kat? Hi. Nice to hear Hello. your voice, Evan. Um, this uh, is going to be likewise. a... Uh, a, a little bit of a different show. Um, we have a kind of a hoodoo psychics little powwow going on here today. Evan is a prominent member of hoodoo psychics. I guess I am on once a week. Deacon Millet is the uh, owner-operator of hoodoo psychics. I believe that Jeremy gets on now and then. I'm not sure about that. But um, yep. this is, uh, yep, yep, he says. So um, usually we say, oh, this is, everyone is air members. Um, yes, we're all air members, but we also also happen to be members of Hoodoo Psychics. I'm just going to give a little shout out to Hoodoo Psychics today. Um, this is a service where you can call in and get instant readings. You don't have to wait for anything. You just um, go to one eight 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 for hoodoo or hoodoopsychics.com. You see who's online. If you want a reading with someone who's not online, you can leave them a message. And the next time they get online, they will call you. And uh, if you want a reading, then you can reply. If you don't, you just say no thanks and hang up. Nothing lost and nothing paid. It's a wonderful system. I'm on there every Saturday. And I know others are very regular about their hours as well. Um and the reason I mention this, too, is because I have disappointed a number of my fans and reading clients. I'm working on three books right now, uh, Terrors of the Evil I Exposed um, by Henri Gamache, which I'm working on revising, restoring, editing, and upgrading with Dr. Jeremy Weiss, um, Amulets, uh, Charms, and Talismans, how to, how to use Amulets, Charms, and Talismans in the Hoodoo and Contra tradition, which I'm co-writing uh, with uh, Papa G., uh, Gregory Lee White, and I'm also writing my own book, Down Home Sex Magic, and so I've got to get all these books together and to the press before um, summer because I've got to get them in 
you know, shipped from the printers in time for the Virtual Hoodoo Heritage Festival, September 11th and 12th, 2021. So I'm rushing, and that means I dropped all my pre-scheduled readings. However, if I drop all my pre-scheduled readings, truth to tell, I won't have any income until the books are published and I get my royalties. And so I am going on Hoodoo Psychics a few more hours I just thought I'd mention it. If you need a reading from me, if you got a refund, I apologize. We just booked me up too much. I only have so many hours uh, in a week, and oh, you can get me at Hoodoo Psychic. So that was my little Hoodoo Psychic shout-out, and we're all here to represent Hoodoo Psychics, and um, that's it. Now, um, let's see. Today, uh, Contraband Ali, our regular uh, co-host, was called away for some family um, things he had to attend to. And we're all wishing him all the best. And in his place is fabulous Deacon Millet of Hoodoo Psychics <laughs> and Four Altars uh, Gospel Sanctuary and the um, uh, chairman of the board of directors or board of bishops of the AISC and therefore of AIR, the Association of Independent Readers and Root Workers, a well-placed Capricorn. So how are you doing today, Deacon? I am doing great. And and I have to give a shout-out for your three books because um, if, if you're signed up for the Patreon, um, you get to watch Miss Cat write all three books, yes. which is um, quite a, a process that she's juggling them all at the same time. And if you're lucky enough to be one of her Patreon subscribers, you get sneak peeks sent to you um, in PDF form as as she writes these books. So, um, so I just wanted to let people know that too, because um, oh, that's, that's that's sweet of you. Yeah, I I I'm on the seventh, the fourteenth, the twenty-first, and the twenty-eighth of each month. I'm sending out PDFs, and until these books are completed. All previously, I was sending out illustrated web pages and all kinds of this and that, but now it's books, 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 and so you're going to get if you're a, a patron for two dollars a week or eight dollars for all four weeks, you you'll get these advanced uh, copies of these books. Some of which will be different by the time they come out. I'm just rushing through them, and also you can also subscribe and get um, paper ephemera. You can get books that I have written, and you can get actual. Uh, antique teacups and all kinds of stuff, <laughs> old books and and many many things um, at, at the different levels or tiers of um, Patreon subscription. So thanks for mentioning that. How are things yeah. going with you in, at your place? We're doing great. Um, you know, we're still burning candles. Somehow we're we're managing to to stay in candles. <laughs> Which is what do you do right now? Um, but so far, so good. We've weathered the the, the candle crisis again, um, and and that's been uh, that's been very uh, pleasing to me that we've managed to to keep all of our clients um, going. Um, so, and I'm working on a book to release at the festival as well. Um, and uh, so Evan is going to teach uh, a class, and I'm going to release a, a book in semi-association with that. So um, that's going to be 
uh, a wonderful illustrated um, astrology book. So I'm I'm pretty I'm busy too, and not quite as busy as you are, but feeling happy about it. And my big big news I didn't mention this um, Friday I got my second Pfizer shot. Okay. My arm is killing me, but other than that, I'm I'm feeling good and um, relieved to have gotten through the lines and um, and looking forward to maybe eating in a restaurant for the first time in over a year. I don't know, um, but but yeah, that's yep. something that I hope all of our listeners are um, taking care of um, and able to get their shots uh, in yeah. due course. Well, now, just like you were promoting me a little bit, I'm going to promote you a little bit. This astrology book that you're doing is the Lucky Mojo Book Company's first ebook. It's going to be in full color. It will be distributed as an ebook, not a printed book, although there are plans afoot to make a printed full color hardcover of it at a and an at an according price for the collector crazies of whom I am one. And um and it and it's a wonderful, wonderful book. So that's something definitely to look forward to. The other thing that you're doing, Deacon, and you didn't blow your own horn, is that you are on the committee uh to bring us the festival. And so uh this year the festival committee consists of um, you, um Miss Michael Ms. Robin and Lady Muse, is that correct? That's about right. And they're um I would say that Lady Muse and Miss Robin are doing most of the work and I'm cheering them on and helping in any technical ways that I can. Um mm-hmm. and we're just uh following the footsteps of, of last year's wonderful festival that uh Dr. Jeremy put on. Um so yeah, I think it's gonna be a good one. Yeah, and there's a couple of other people who got involved. I mean, there's all sorts of little sidelight things going on, different people taking, you know, uh, responsibility for different parts of it. And um, I'm really looking forward to this uh, festival, as always. I love teaching, and I love being a part of these things. So, um, and um, Ms. Robin and Lady Muse are uh, in charge of getting all of the boxes together. I believe the boxes are going to be sh- the goodie boxes that we always have are going to be shipped out of Miss Robin's place. Lady Muse is helping with arranging who's doing what. Uh you Deacon Millet are arranging the readers, the Hoodoo Psychics is arranging the reading wranglers and tickets go on sale May 1st. Okay? Tickets go on sale May 1st. So save your money and remember what happened last year. We ran out of goodie boxes, and um, so we don't want to uh, disappoint anybody. Sign up early if you want that goodie box. It's going to have all kinds of good stuff. We've been planning them and working on them, and it's going to be nice. All right. Well, that having been said, and um, let's revisit some past glory. The guy who brought us the first virtual Hoodoo Heritage Festival, um, welcome to the show, Dr. Jeremy Weiss, who used to be our announcer. <laughs> well, thank you. I, I can I tell you, I got just equally uh, anxious and sweaty palms again. All that anxiety came back. Oh my gosh, the pressure of being on air! Ah! 
so much fun. But it's great. It's great. It's great to be back. You guys are wonderful and, and, and friends. And uh, I want to say, Deacon Miller kind of stole my thunder a little bit because he he mentioned your fantastic uh, Patreon. And I, uh-huh. I wanted to mention that because I wanted to say that I am uh, a, a, a member of the of your Patreon, and I gotta say something about that. Um, really, uh, because you, you sent me the last the last thing. You, or people don't realize that your boxes, I think, are curated for each person. And so when I received my box, I was thinking the other day. I, I got the box, and immediately the word uh wish and 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 wished had come into my mind and mm-hmm. wish and uh and and witchcraft right mm-hmm. but, uh, witchcraft is the craft of wishing of making your wishes <laughs> it's become effective right that's what witchcraft mm-hmm. is and when I open up that box, you are a true witch because you have made all my wishes come true. I open that <laughs> box and it's curated just for me, and it's it's like it's like stuff I couldn't even dream about. I I like I, I get so excited. I, I mean, as a Jew, this is what I imagine Christmas is like. <laughs> Well, did you like that one with the little red and white, the little red and white cover? Wasn't that a trip? Oh my! Yes, yes. Yeah, I bet you weren't expecting that. No, I wasn't. That was super cool, and I went around and did a little bit of research. That will be an Um, illustration in our mutual book. Yeah, I'm so I am so excited about that. Great. Together we are working on this book. Uh, you know, you mentioned it. The uh, uh, revising Henri Gamache's Terror of the Evil Eye Exposed, and mm-hmm. um, and it, 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 I have been going through all sorts of evil eye uh, history, of course, reviewing my my stock, my library, right, delving back mm-hmm. into all of it, and so today. When we talk a little bit about intercessors, I'm going to talk just a little bit. I'm going to touch a little tiny, tiny bit on the evil eye for us. Mm-hmm. Oh, good. Mm-hmm. Oh, good. Yeah. Yeah. So. All righty. Well, that, that kind of brings us to our topic. And um, I'm going to just step in with a couple of words to begin. I have noticed in dealing with clients because I do a lot of readings, and I deal with clients from all different cultures, all different parts of the world, and certainly different uh, religious and cultural backgrounds. When I am known to them as just something more personal than just a reader, sometimes we start to talk. Well, some of my clients actually want to get to know me, and I want to get to know them. And those who are Catholics always ask me, well, what saint should I pray to? Who should be my intercessor? And I'll tell them. And I noticed that in talking with one of them, she said to me, how did you learn about these saints if you're Jewish? And I said, oh, well, we have intercessors too. And she goes, what? I thought you were monotheistic. How could you have an intercessor? (laughs) 
Mm-hmm. And that opened up two different doors. One called not as monotheistic as you thought, and the other door called, of course we have intercessors. So I chose to open up the door called not as monotheistic as you thought because it's a smaller room, if you know what I mean. <laughs> and um, and I didn't want to waste too much of her time, you know, and bore her. So I just quickly opened up that door, said, look what's inside, closed the door, and I said, and by the way, we have intercessors. And that's when I realized we really need to do a show on this because yeah. v- very few Christians, uh, Muslims, Buddhists, whatever, realize that Jews actually have intercessors. They think it's just the Shema prayer and you're you're in and out. You know what I'm saying? Well, well they, they, that's because of a lot of us think that way too. <laughs> well, I would say a lot of the less a lot of the less historically minded Jews. Right. A lot of those who are American in particular, who have been given this kind of what I call cut-down version of Judaism, what I call the inoffensive version of Judaism, like, you know, we're not going to be putting doves on people's navels. We don't do that anymore, but, you know, whatever. Um, So I wanted you to talk about this, and I'm I'm going to chime in, too, and... and, um, before the show, Deacon Millett said he's here just to be a learner. He's going to be here to support us. So our our job, Dr. Jeremy, is to blow Deacon Millett's mind, okay? Oh, okay. Well, uh, well, I, I, well I, I hope to blow Deacon Millett's mind because I, 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 today I, I, and I, and I hope I don't upset you too much because I'm going to go I, – I do want to focus on one particular intercessor, that Jewish intercessor, that – almost everybody mm, I want to say forgets about but like obviously they they don't because there's a whole culture around her but people don't think of and it's a, it's a very powerful woman so that always delights absolutely delights me so mm-hmm. um um you know we'll be on subject but I want to spend a little bit of extra time on this one on this one person so um you're right you know I think um, my perception growing up was, you know, exactly what you said, right? I went to, as you know, sort of an orthodox grade school, and I was – what was hammered into me was, hey, man, Judaism, monotheistic. Uh, He says it right in the beginning, thou shalt not have any other gods before me, for I am a jealous god. So that means no praying to anybody else, and that's why, you know, uh, you hear that that dogma, and that's why we have Ju- the, the 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 Jewish religion has that reputation because that is the party line. I would say, wouldn't you? Would you agree? No, I don't you agree. See, agree. I was raised I was raised Reform and Ethical Culture, so we interpret that, that quite differently. We interpret that as I, you will have no other gods before me. In other words, in my temple, don't have any other gods facing me. Don't put me in a pantheon of gods because I'm jealous of my people. I want to be in my space. But there are plenty of other gods, but don't put them in my face, man. Right. Well, I, I would agree with that. I would agree that he does, he, that, that the, the, what I was raised with was that – or actually, that's not what I was raised with. But what I rebelled with was that – was that statement was that uh, God does not say that he's the 
uh, only God. He just says, don't, you know, don't put anybody in front of me. And he clearly acknowledges that there are other gods because he says he's jealous. Right. So Right. That's so right. Why would he that, be jealous that, if he didn't have other gods? Right, right. Why would why would they be out there worshiping, you know, Baal and all that? So exactly. yeah, but so we come from slightly different forms of Judaism, but but ultimately Judaism is not all that monotheistic. I'm just going to throw in another thing which is about the archangels. I was yeah. taught that the archangels were probably Canaanite deities um of the planets of a planetary um astrological religion which was indigenous and that they were reduced to the status of archangels when Yahweh or Jehovah what you want to call him when he became the primary god and right. so when you went from um, Yahwehism into the the quote monotheism of Judaism yeah Right, right. So I was taught, for instance, the name Michael means he who is like unto God. So obviously Michael was somebody, other cultures, tutelary deity. And that was sort of taught. I was brought up in an extremely left-leaning liberal form of Judaism where we investigated, discussed, and talked about these things. We didn't take dogma. We were not very dogmatic. So that to me was something I understood. Now, so the archangels are intercessors. In other words, every archangel... If they were Canaanite deities, let's just say, they all had specialties, you know, like deities in any kind of a pantheon. And if uh, if Gabriel is one of them, Gabriel, I was taught that Gabriel was originally a female childbirth goddess of the Canaanites. Uh, I was just taught that, you know, by my, my mother's friends, right? And that that's why in the Bible, when anybody wants to get pregnant, they uh, they you know, mention Gabriel and ask Gabriel for help, and Gabriel will get them pregnant. Or Gabriel shows up in the Bible and says to Sarah, the aged woman, you know, 90 years old, have a baby. Or Gabriel shows up to the Virgin Mary in the New Testament and says, you're going to have a baby. So Gabriel is kind of like the um, the birth-announcing child goddess. And so this is something that I was taught and, and, and believed, and that all of these... Uh, archangels have a purpose, and you can apply to them for help. For instance, um, Uriel or Ariel is the the uh, archangel of poetry, art, and music, and you can say, you know, please help me. And these are intercessors. And the Catholics have kind of taken them over and called them saint, Saint Michael. Now, I'm not so into that because I am Jewish, so I you could I call him you know Archangel Saint Michael. You know, just make sure that they remember that before that he was an archangel, but even more before that, he probably was a god in another tribe. Yeah. Or she right. or whatever, you know, whichever one <laughs> they were. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I mean, uh, I think um, all of the uh, the figures, you know, have have their associated symbolism um uh, like you know Daniel and Oniromancy, uh, and mm-hmm. you know Dream, uh, and and so it 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 makes sense that if 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 you're gonna ask for someone to help you or some inspiration uh, to help you interpret one of your dreams, that you you might appeal to uh, Daniel. And uh, uh, because God gave him the power of dream interpretation, so it doesn't seem anything wrong for asking him with assistance, you know? That's, that's right, right. 
Right. I, so, I'm gonna I'm gonna say another one that that we haven't mentioned yet, and, and I consider very important in in my understanding is Elijah the prophet. Mm-hmm. And um, a lot of people who have uh, uh, even uh, Gentiles, non-Jews, uh, are always invited to come to a, a Passover Seder, and they always say that we see us um, put out a little glass of wine for Elijah the prophet, leave the door open that he might come in and so forth, um, because he predicts that the Messiah will come. But Elijah also is used in spoken uh, spells. And I'm going to just read one very quickly. This is um, from a, a, a spell against the evil eye. Now, the evil eye is the eye that uh, of the jealousy that will cause people to sicken and die. It'll give people dehydration. Uh, fruit will fall off the tree, and and um, nursing mothers' milk will fail. So here is this is in English. It does not rhyme in English. This is from a, a wonderful book, and I, I'm going to advertise the book, and you know what book it is. It's called Ritual Medical Lore of Sephardic Women, and mm-hmm. it is um, it, it, it is by uh, Isaac Jack Levy and Rosemary Levy Zumwalt, and they interviewed a lot of older uh, Jewish uh, informants. So this is just the beginning of it. As I walked along a narrow street, I met an elderly man. In resplendent green, he was dressed. Immediately, all Jews will know, well, that's going to be Elijah, because he always dresses in green. Three keys he had in his hand, one to open, one to close, and one to remove all harm. Through their past, Elijah the prophet, maybe he remembered for good. He said, where are you going? Over to Isaac, son of Cadden, to give him a headache, to break his bones, to suck his blood, to suck his blood, to chew his flesh, to cut his strength, to cause him anguish. I pray, now this is Elijah speaking now, I pray and implore you to go there and no harm you cause him. Remove from him all the suffering, all evil eye, all the evil talk, all the anguish of the heart, and cast it into the depths of the sea so that the body of Isaac may have no harm. That's the end of Isaac's speech. Then it says, May the sacrifice of Joseph, Lord, be accepted instead of mine. As the mountains cannot embrace themselves, nor the water of the sea can be measured, this body will not experience any harm. May the sacrifice of Joseph, Lord, be accepted instead of mine. Mm-hmm. If it is from a Gentile, meaning uh, that the evil eye came, if it is from a Gentile, he is going to burn as a cinder. If it came from a mute bird, may the blessed come to its aid. If it came, and in other words, a bird that can't sing might be jealous because it hears you singing, and therefore it might give you the evil eye. If from a man, let him lose his name or lineage. If from a maiden, may she lose her reason. I pray and implore you to go there and cause him no harm, remove from him all suffering, all the evil eye, all the evil talk, all the anguish of the heart, and cast it into the depths of the sea, because the evil eye um, dries things up, so throwing it into the depths of the sea, there's plenty enough water and salt to take care of it. So that the body of Isaac may have no harm, may the sacrifice of Joseph, Lord, be accepted instead of mine, as the mountains cannot embrace themselves, nor the water of the sea can be measured, this body will not experience any harm, may the sacrifice of Joseph, Lord, be accepted instead of mine. So this is an anti-evil eye charm that calls upon two Jewish intercessors, Elijah, who gives the charm, and then it becomes Joseph, right, that That's you're right. actually a- employing. So I just wanted to throw that out there. There are hundreds of these, dozens of them, many, many dozens of them. This was just one. And so, like I said, that was the larger room when someone says, but do Jews have intercessors? Yeah. How many of these do you want me to read you? 
<laughs> right? So, I mean, that's, you know, the Jews from Central Asia called the, the Mizrahi Jews, they, mm-hmm. have, they have in their amulets, in their, uh, their amulets against the evil eye, they often mm-hmm. will cite two different people on the amulet. And the first, of course, is, is exactly who you mentioned, Joseph. Um, mm-hmm. But the other one that they mention, and, and that's because Joseph, it says in the Talmud, Barakot uh, 65, uh, the descendants of Joseph are not subject to the evil eye. And, and the spell that's given there is simply to say to the evil eye, to take the evil eye away, you can simply say or write down, I am the seed of Joseph the righteous who is not subject to the evil eye. And unfortunately, the evil eye doesn't have a really great um, idea of lineage. So you can claim that you are a descendant of Joseph without having to show him your ID, apparently. So, but the other, (laughs) the other, the other person that is often on the amulet is someone who a lot of people don't know about. And I'm wondering if you know her name, Sarah Bat Asher. No, tell me who that is. So this is fascinating. Sarah Bat Asher, she's on many amulets against the evil eye by the Mizrahi Jews, and she's the daughter or stepdaughter of Asher, who is one of the leaders of the founding, you know, 12 tribes of Israel. Now, Mm -hmm. you know, know, if y'all don't know your Bible stories, it's no big deal. It turns out, I'm just going to summarize it. She's a master of playing a harp, okay, and she foretells the coming of Moses, and she lives for over 400 years throughout the entire enslavement in Egypt. She's mm-hmm. able, you would love her because she's a dowser. She is able to locate Joseph's bones in time for the, uh, for the exodus, and she's considered to be immortal. So in, in some traditions... Uh, Jewish traditions, there are nine people who have ascended to heaven without dying. And in some, there are seven. But for most Jewish traditions, it's it's three. But whether or not you believe it's like three, seven, or nine, or whatever, the three people that have ascended to heaven without dying are always Enoch, Elijah, and Sarah, Bat, Asher. So, Hmm. um, okay, so Jacob has these 12 sons. Right, and Asher right. is one of them. And Benjamin, and and one is Joseph. Joseph, that's Jacob's favorite son. And and Sarah, but Asher, you know, she's the like the she's the granddaughter, right? She's she's Asher's right. daughter. And her uncles are a bunch of putzes, and they they sell her her other uncle Joseph off into slavery, right? And right. then then they they. They tell, you know, uh, the, those bums tell, tell their father that Jacob, his, you know, uh, his favorite son, that Joseph, is, is dead, right? So he's Jacob mm-hmm. thinking right. that Joseph is dead, okay? But then there's this, like, reversal of fortune thing that happens. And, of course, Joseph becomes this high advisor to the pharaoh, right? And mm-hmm. now the sons want someone to tell Jacob that their son is actually his son is alive, but they're they're afraid mm-hmm. that this great news is going to kill him. 
So, mm-hmm. so who did they turn to? They turned to Sarah Bat Asher, and she's playing the harp, the lute, and stuff. And she tells him what he wants to hear that his long lost son is not dead, and he gives her this blessing of immortality. Now, not all Jews agree. Some of them, some of the Persian Jews, believe that she was alive only up until the 12th century, and and she still has a tomb there. And other other uh, people still believe, though, that she continues to make uh, earthly uh, visitations. But because of her really long life, metaphorically, on amulets and things like that, she's an embodiment of collective Jewish memory. So ah. there are, are a bunch of texts that chronicle her adventures, but, you know, we're talking about Joseph and how it relates to the evil eye. So we'll, we'll, I'll tell you a little bit about how she, she defeats the evil eye. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, when when Moses appears, right, the, the Hebrews are faced with this, like, big decision, right? Do they, do they reject this guy, right, who's saying, I'm going to lead you out of here, or, or mm-hmm. do they follow And Sarah bought that Asher, she lived she lived through the whole years of the enslavement. So she actually recognizes Moses' language as the language of prophecy. And she convinces the other Israelites to follow Moses. But then the, 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 the Egyptians um, had, had promised, you know, they uh, uh, um, uh, uh, buried Joseph somewhere secret because Joseph wanted to be taken back and buried in the land of Canaan. And so now they're on the run, right? They're like, Pharaoh has agreed to let him go. And like, everybody is like, you know, Miriam is grabbing her tambourine and everybody's trying to get out from the exodus Mm -hmm. and stuff like that. And they're stuck because they got to go find the bones of Joseph. And they're like, what do we do? So Moses goes over to Baasher, who was around the time. And and they say and, and and he says where 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 are the bones and she says oh they're over here in in the Nile and he walks over Moses walks over and and um and he points to the the casket uh, to the Nile and he and he says like um he says Joseph the the time has arrived which the Holy One, blessed is he, took an oath, saying that I will redeem you. And the time for your fulfillment of the oath that you administered to the Jewish people, that they will bury you in the land of Israel, has arrived. If you show yourself, it's good, but if not, we're clear from your oath. Meaning, like, we're going to, like, it's now or never. Get up. And the metal Mm -hmm. casket, the metal casket rises from the Nile. And, and um, like an amulet, essentially, this metal casket. And Sarah but Asher, I want to point out, she, she, un, unlike the evil eye, she's able to see Joseph beneath the water. She's, that's it. Wow. She's more, more powerful than the evil eye itself. Right? Because right? she's able yeah. to see him underneath the water and... The evil eye cannot see underwater. Right. The evil eye cannot see underwater. That is known. <laughs> Never right. right. So 
um, I, 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 this is an amazing character, right? So I, I understand her that uh, the, there are reports that she was living still in the north of Israel around 200 CE near near Galilee when the Romans occupied it and the second temple was destroyed yet and nothing had been written down and they're busy writing everything down because the traditions at that point were oral, right? So they're trying to write them down. And and um, there's a story where uh, she makes an earthly visitation and there's this famous rabbi named Rabbi Yohanan and he's pontificating about the waters and what they looked like when Moses separated them, it's like, and everybody walked across the, the 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 Red Sea, right? You know, and like, and he says he told the students that the water, the waters looked like a lattice. But Sarah Slot Osher pokes her head in and corrects him and says, "No, they look like lighted windows. I was there." <laughs> well, see, and this is now just to make this clear because. Um, you've gone at length, and I want to go back to the very beginning of this. This is a tradition among Mizrahi Jews, right? Yes. And um, yeah. so for people who don't know, so you got to always start at the beginning. For people who don't know, there are more than one type of Jew. And the Mizrahi Jews, sometimes called Persian Jews, Iranian Jews, Middle Eastern Jews, that is a belief of theirs. Uh, Jeremy and I are both what are called Ashkenazi Jews, which are European yep. Jews. There are also Sephardic Jews, which are... Mediterranean Jews. These would be Jews from Portugal, Spain, and North Africa. I am actually, uh, Jeremy is all Ashkenazi, and I'm um, mostly Ashkenazi and also a, a great, uh, you know, part uh, Sephardic Jewish. So yeah. every different kinds of Jews have different um, uh, traditions. Yeah, different beliefs, yeah. different traditions. I'm going to read you another one of these little um, percante. A percante is a a Sephardic Jewish term for a, what we would call a, a spell, an enchantment. And this is again translated, In the name of God, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, Moses, and Aaron, David, and Solomon, and Elijah the prophet, may he be always remembered for good. And then you say your prayer. So this is calling upon not just, I mean, God is just one of them. It's God. Then you got Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They're a trio. Moses and Aaron, they're brothers, so that's a pair. David and Solomon, they're father and son, uh, that's a pair. And then Elijah, because he just walks alone. Elijah's always by himself. So that is a typical type of, of um, invocation. would be similar to the Catholics saying, you know, in the name of Joseph, Mary, and Jesus, and uh, St. Dimphna, who, you know, blah, 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 you know, whatever they do, you know. This is... Um, to make it understood that Jews have many intercessors. Now, they also have prayers that are to plants. And this kind of relates more to hoodoo and to Native American traditions. There are actually things that you say to plants. Um, right. I for, just wrote well, about that. I yes. just wrote so about that. Here's, That's fantastic. Here's, here's one. Um that is, it goes, Rocha Barocha, iron in the mouth, padlock on the feet, said the rosemary, I was born first, said the rue, may the Lord of Abraham come to his aid. In other words, rosemary is like, rosemary is good, but rue is better, right? <laughs> rue is going to actually come to a person's aid. This is against the evil eye. Um, and then here's another one, again, translated into English. Um, and this is for... Um, 
uh, guarding against the evil eye, and the use of the rue. Great is my fame. I am the rose of newly delivered mothers. They place me on their beds, and all the evil eye I consume with my plants. I guard the soul of the one who wears me. And this is the song of the rue. This is what the rue tells people. And so when you when you work with rue or rosemary, you are to say these things to them. Right? Yes, I, I have a um, a couple of Jewish spells for to be said while picking plants to enhance their magical powers. Firstly, plants that are picked in the cemetery are reportedly mm-hmm. stronger in in mm-hmm. power. Uh, according to the Jewish tradition. And then I have several uh, recorded, just like what you said. Um, one includes a reversal of fortune uh, kind of take on it where the, where you're asking the plant to give it, give, give you its knowledge. Mm-hmm. And it's very sweet. It's a very sweet, um, I, 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 lo- I, I, I can't remember it off the top of my head, but it's a very sweet prayer to the plant to make it stronger and and make it work for you better. Right. And now I'm going to give you another one. This one is for Miriam the prophetess. Okay? Oh. So this this is for someone who is um sick and uh and it's going to be um done with gestures of passing the hand over the body uh to cure in the name of God, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Aaron, David, Solomon, I put in my hand, and then you say what you're going to do. I put in my hand rue, or I put in my hand rosemary. Whatever. Like Miriam the prophetess, who performed cures and gave medicine and took away all the sickness and threw it into the depths of the sea, so I take away the sickness of so-and-so, daughter of such-and-such. Mm-hmm. Now, the association with of Miriam with the depths of the sea and why Miriam can do this is has to do with Moses and the crossing of the Red Sea. Um, it's Miriam who at the end of the crossing gets out her tambourine and gets all the women singing this that, that song about the how you know how they got across, right? So Miriam is associated also with the water that protects against um the evil eye and that takes away all sickness so that it goes into the bottom of the sea where salt is because in Jewish tradition salt is is used to purify food it's called koshering the food and you use a coarse grade of salt not fine you're not salting it to make it taste salty you're just rubbing coarse salt on it to take away any blood uh, because Jews don't like to eat blood it's just not done in their um you know, tribal culture, old, old-time school. And so uh, things are salted, and then the salt is, is removed. But it's but that salt that um, is related to the salt at the bottom of the sea. And so throwing something into the sea, which is very common in hoodoo along the places where um, black people have lived along the ocean. For instance, Harry Hyatt collected many examples of throwing things into the sea from people who lived in Maryland, Delaware, and um in that area of Virginia and in the tidewater area and they did spells in which things were thrown into the sea. Also in New Orleans he recorded people who would go out in Lake Pontchartrain and throw something into the water. So that is something that comes probably from that 
Mediterranean uh, wellspring Region. of um, and you know yeah. African African Jewish Mediterranean Middle Eastern stuff. The idea of throwing well, evil into of, the sea. Uh, writing on on potsherds and throwing them into the sea as a, as in a, in a you know in the Jewish magical. Uh, literature, and in fact, I have someone right now who commissioned me to make a reversal of fortune amulet bowl, and they didn't want me to ship it to them, but they wanted to be able to have it continue to tumble uh, so that the that the reversal of fortunes would work, and so that's what I'm going to do. Is I'm when I'm done with it, I'm I'm going to go toss it into the sea so it'll continue to tumble forever. Mhm. Right. That same yeah, tradition. That's, that's very old. Um, and you'll also see that even among people who are not living by the sea, they will still have um, traditions of crossing water to get rid of evil spirits or throwing something uh, off the Tallahatchie Bridge or whatever it may be. Throwing something off a bridge is another uh, way to um, break its charm on you. So I... I see these intercessors in Judaism everywhere, but um, as I said, they're not as familiar to our Christian friends because they think we don't have saints. And I guess we don't have saints because in the sense that saints are canonized, that someone has approved of them. And that brings me to the next thing, which are the tzaddiks, the tzaddikim. These are righteous people who can be appealed to except for one thing. No one knows who they are, right? That's right. <laughs> no one knows who they are. They're they're the secret they're, they're the secret people who are supporting our earth's continuance by their prayers to God. God says, "Okay, for the sake of these righteous ones, I won't destroy the earth no matter how corrupt it becomes." And so you can also um Anybody who says they are a tzaddik is not, <laughs> and um, <laughs> and um, it's it's this kind of it, it's it's a little logic puzzle. But you can pray to them for their help, asking them not to help you, but to remember you in their prayers to God, whereby they save the world out of their goodness. Does that make sense? <laughs> yeah, they're like yeah. the Jewish. Jedi, I call them, because they're like a, allowed to wield because they're so righteous and will never do anything wrong. They're they're allowed to wield the powers of magic or 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 or, or what have you, and they they have you know they're 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 um so they're particularly strong and they do their good deed and then they they recess back into the darkness. You know, like the like the ninja Jedi, spiritual Jedi that they are. They do their good deed and come back, and, and then you don't know who they are. So it could be anybody. Right. And there are only thirty six of them. There's and only, only thirty six of them in, in the whole world, and yeah. um, and anyone who says he is one is not. And um, when one dies, another one takes their place. There's always thirty six of them. Now, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> and the Messiah so, will be chosen among one of those thirty six. 
Right, the Messiah okay. will be one of them. That's right, but you'll only know that after he becomes the Messiah. It's, it really is, it's a logic puzzle that as a little child, I used to just sit there and scratch my head and go, wait a minute, wait a minute. And, uh, chicken and egg, chicken and egg. Uh, right, but after they die, their villagers and friends and sometimes may say, well, that person was one. So they can be declared at Sadiq afterwards, but... But no, there's no central authority anymore since the tr- temple in Jerusalem was torn down. There's nobody to say, well, this guy who was from Vilnius, he really was a Tzaddik, right? Or that guy, you know, who was from no Beirut, he really was a Tzaddik. Process. Yeah. Right. And then, of Where course, there are no, people. Go ahead. There's no voting on it. You know, there's no, no, there's there's no, no process. Right. Where, you know, it's just like... Yeah, all right, sure, Sadiq. He was a good guy. Well, he helped me out. Then, well, then he gets, loaned me his lawnmower. <laughs> yeah, then it gets more complicated because once one of them is, and everyone says, well, he was at Sadiq, then his <laughs> son, who may, who will probably not be at Sadiq, his son is then called Ben Sadiq, son of son of the Sadiq, right? Another example of Jewish intercessors um, is is actually in the Ashkenazi tradition would be on amulets. Sometimes they write um, this word, which I mentioned in the Jewish protection uh, workshop called Akhanav, which is an acronym of the name of the, what they call the Supreme Five, um, <laughs> which is not the Jackson Five um, or the Supremes, but it, it's the angels. <laughs> Uh, Michael, you know, Gabriel, Uriel, Nuriel, um, and Azrael, and the, and and they and Raphael, yeah, 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 and 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 but but there's debate as to whether or not Nuriel and Uriel are actually different uh, parts of the same celestial intelligence, but you'll see that you'll see reference on the amulets to on amulets to the Supreme Five. Which you know is certainly uh, those are you know those are clear intercessors for us. And is definitely blown. You guys did manage to your <laughs> mind blowing uh, in your conversation. I, I had no idea about any of this, and it's it's such a pleasure to hear all this wonderful information. Wow. Well. Uh, Thank you. I mean, it, I find it certainly uh, amazing, you know, interesting, and and um, I'm learning a huge amount doing the research um, for for the new book. That leaves us with one more form of intercessor, which would be the ancestral intercessor. Um, Jews do also uh, ask for their personal ancestors for help, and there are. Um, not recorded instances of this because it's very personal, but Jews have a tendency, especially Ashkenazi Jews, to name children after deceased ancestors. It's considered by Ashkenazis bad luck to name a child after someone who's alive because you might be shortening their life to give some of the life to the child that just got born. So people are not usually like, um, you know, William Warren the Fourth. We don't have that among Jews. We have somebody named after an ancestor. And if the ancestor was of a gender different than the child, you just use the initial letter. Like um, when my uh, my late mother-in-law, Esther, 
died and a, my grandson was born, his middle initial, he was given the middle name uh, Ethan. And so that was E for Esther. And that's pretty common to do that. He was also given the first name Max because there's about 16,000 people named Max in my family. Uh-huh. And so um, the uh, the idea that you can call upon an ancestor, especially one who bears your name or part of your name, is really common in uh, Jewish folklore. So that's another thing that we can put into it. All right, there's our music. So we're going to go take our client. Yep, and before that, we're going to ask you to stay tuned because the Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Root Work Hour with your host, Catherine Ironwood, uh, Deacon Millet, and this week's special guest, Dr. Jeremy Weiss, will be right back. Support for this program is provided by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California, and located online at luckymojo.com, and by the Association of Independent Readers and Root Workers, Air, a directory of authentic contract practitioners located online at readersofrootworkers.org, and by Hoodoo Psychics, the first psychic line run entirely by Hoodoo practitioners. Receive a reading with a trusted root worker instantly. Call 1-888-4-HOODOO or visit hoodoopsychics.com. And by the Crystal Silence League, a free online prayer service of the Association of Independent Spiritual Churches located online at crystalsilenceleague.org. Now it's time to go to the phone and talk to our first client. And our client is calling from area code 304. And if you would just bear with me, I'm going to get my screen up here. We have Michelle from West Virginia. Uh, Michelle, are you currently with us? Yes, can you hear me? I can. Yes, your uh, volume's a little bit low, but I'm going to do my best. Um, thank you so much for giving us a call today. And it appears as for your entry, you have not had a reading with either Ms. Katz or our uh, guest or co-host. Is that correct? Correct. Excellent. Thank you so much. And uh, Michelle Wright, I took a position, I just took a position, excuse me, with the post office and will start the second week of May. This position leads to becoming a permanent mail carrier but it may take up to two years. People ahead of you have to retire or quit, and this sometimes goes much faster and sometimes takes a full two years. In the meantime, you work for an arduous, demanding 60-70 hour work week, six days a week, and sometimes seven. Can I get a timeline or an idea of moving up the permanent, uh, I'm assuming permanent hireability, and any warnings or cautions you might have for me? Turning it over to you, Chad. Or Ms. Cat. Sorry. All right. Um, well, let me ask you one question, Michelle. What is your sign of the zodiac? I'm a Libra Sun, Sagittarius Rising, and Scorpio Moon. Oh, interesting. So the Sagittarius Rising is probably where you're getting the um, antsiness about how long must this have to wait? Because Sagittarius, like you know, they like a little bit of instant action. Um, mm-hmm. The the Scorpio can dog it out and stay with it, and the um, the Libra is you know just a people pleasing, a graceful person. So you have a kind of a mixed um, mixed chart there, just based on Sun, Moon, and and Rising sign. A Deacon Millet is going to do your first reading, and then uh, Jeremy will do your second reading, and I'll come back and after based on what they say, I'll give you some root work advice. Thank you. 
Well, this is a particularly difficult question for my cards. I these are um, terrible at figuring out timelines. There are a few cards that have associated with them, so let's just see if you happen to get in. The first card I draw for you is Montmartre, Center of the Universe, and this card shows a mountain peak high above the clouds, and this card tells me that you are uh, able to feel uh, alone and like there's no one helping you to move up the ladder um, in your new position. Um, that try not to let that that feeling of loneliness um, get too strong um, because you will get the job eventually. It's just a matter of um, sticking with it and not letting things push you off the path. The second card here is like a bubble. And this is a card, I call this the card of beautiful fragility. It's um, pink and blue water and a woman um, floating. And she's supported by soap bubbles and a beautiful image, but <laughs> there's no foundation to it. If the soap bubbles pop or the dragonflies fly off, she sinks into the water and drowns. Um, and I fear that you're heading into this job with a with a sense of fragility, of brittleness, like it's not going to to work out or support you. And that that may be a um, self fulfilling prophecy. So I encourage you to shore up your sense of self and to feel strong in this um, and to uh, be ready because you will get the job. It's going to be there. The third card is eternal life. And this is a marriage card in my deck. Um, it also really have a time element, but we see a goddess holding an ankh and the sphinx. And um, this is a really powerful card for this job. Um, it looks like if you can not let this fragileness cause you to, to quit or let this sense of loneliness cause you to quit, that you're going to have this job until you get your pension. This is a solid, um, long uh, career path for you, and it's, it's really good. Um, so I, I hope this helps reassure you somewhat. Um, these cards don't point to three months, unfortunately, um, but they do bode very, very well for the position. Thank you. Uh, <clears throat> all right, so uh, hi, this is Dr. Jeremy. How are you? Good, how are you? I'm good. I'm glad you can hear me. I don't know if you know the type of readings or if you're familiar with the type of readings that I do, but I do uh, a, a form of bibliomancy, which, you know, I feel like uh, the Bible, of course, is a book, a divine book handed to us. Uh, in order to uh, get good advice, right? That's what we um, turn to in times of difficulty. And on the topic, on that topic, of course, uh, of the topic that we're talking about today is, is Jewish intercessors. And I often 
um, appeal to uh, uh, um, three, uh, rather seven prophetesses. Um, there are seven prophetesses, and those uh, of the Bible, and 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 I call them my magid. My magid is a a a, a Jewish spirit guide, and. Uh, um, so what I do in my process is I reach in, there are seven uh, uh, prophetesses. I reach in, I select one, okay, that Deborah has presented herself. I turn, uh, have a little book, um, and I turn to the chart in the book, and I ask a question, with, uh, which, um, uh, and I come up with uh, my Magid tells me that uh, what the answer is going to be, and they have me, Deborah's pointed me to uh, Proverbs 19, uh, ver, uh, chapter 19, verse 11. So, so <clears throat> let's see. That says, a person's wisdom yields patience. It is to one's glory to overlook an offense. So, that's really interesting to me. I think um, it's sort of echoes what uh, Deacon Millis uh, has said. The first year, or the first bit of your time, it, 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 there may be some rough patches, and you're going to have to overlook some, you know, uh, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a new job, right? You've got to make a good impression, so that means you've got to be the one to suck it up and be like, yeah, I'll take those extra hours. Yeah, I'll so, so you got to kind of always try to overlook both nasty and and wisdom comes with patience. So that's going to take a little bit of time. Now, I know that you wanted to know more specifically a little bit about that timeline. So I'm going to think about, I'll do Kavanaugh and think about, that means uh, pray and think about your timeline and pull out another Magid. Okay, this one's Queen Esther. And Queen Esther points me to Genesis 18.10. Ah, and this speaks to your timeline. Ooh, look at this. 18, chapter 18, verse 10. One, then one of them said, I will surely return to you about this time next year, and Sarah, your wife, will have a son. Now, Sarah was listening at the entrance to the tent, which was behind him. I'm not sure that the second part has much to do with the timeline, so much as one of them said, I surely return to you about this time next year, and you'll have a, you know, there's going to be a son. That means that you will be blossoming, you know, fruitful and multiplying. There will have been, within a year, I predict, that there will have been some forward progress, some 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 positive movement and advancement in your in your in your job. And I'll tell you what. Uh, tonight, what I'm going to do is I'm going to put this in a petition. I'm going to write your name down on it, and I am going to burn a candle for you here at the Temple of Mary. Thank you so much. Absolutely, my pleasure. I'm gonna. I, I, so, so that's my prediction. Does that answer your question? Are you? Does that take care of you? Yes, I feel reassured. It kind of um, 
that's what I was thinking. It is arduous. I know I have to plow ahead. That's been uh, all the advice that I've read and just kind of endure it like a boot camp and well, stick with it. Let me get... Let me jump in here with some root work because you also called for that. So um, I'm looking at this, and um, I'm agreeing with what they said. I think that the first year is going to be hard. The second year might go easier. I'd like you to get um, some candles. Now, there are different ways you can do this. I'd like you to use small white candles. You can use tea lights. You can use uh four-inch candles. Um, you can use um, little votives without their cases, which we call stubbies, any kind of small candle. And it depends on you, how you whether you consider yourself more of a solar person or a lunar person. If you're going to be lunar about it, you're going to want uh, 26 candles, one for each lunation. There are 13 lunations in a year. 13 and 13 is 26. If you want to be more solar, you can get 24 candles, uh, there are 12 um, solar uh, ingresses into different signs during the year, and you're going to want them for two years. If you wanted to really do it upright, the way I would do it, I would get both the solar and the lunar candles. So I would get um, uh, 24 yellow candles for the sun and 24 uh, white candles for the uh, excuse me, 26 ca- white candles for the moon. The solar candles you would light by day and in the morning before you go to work. The lunar candles you would light at night um, when the moon uh, is in wherever you want it to be. In other words, usually it's the first visible crescent, and you would do it at sunset. So they don't correspond. They'll drift apart from each other. When you light the solar candle, when the sun comes up, you're going to say, may I work all day long, may this month be good for me, may it be profitable, may I progress on my path, and so forth. When you light the lunar candle, you're going to light it for your peace of mind, for people to be considerate to you, for your emotions. And each time you do this, I want you to write down what has happened, good, bad, indifferent, but mostly what progress you're making. By the second month, I've learned these new skills. By the third month, I've made a friend, whatever it might be, on your solar candle. And on your lunar candle, I'm feeling more confident in my skills. I'm feeling like um, I have audiobooks to listen to while I make the commute, so I'm feeling okay about that. Whatever it is that you feel emotionally by the moon and about your progress by the sun. Now, you can dress those candles with holy oil or any sort of oil. And I also want you to wear something to work as a scent. You can use a Hoyt's cologne and mix into it a little bit of Crown of Success. If you do this for one year, I think you're going to see a tremendous amount of progress. You may, by the end of one year of burning those candles, be uh, done and not need to um, actually... Uh, keep on going for a second year. The only reason I mentioned the second year is because you said it may take up to two years. If you purchase the candles for two years and you find yourself promoted to where you want to be at the end of one year or partway in, take all the rest of the candles and light all the solar candles on one day as a thank you and light all the lunar candles um, by the crescent moon, the first crescent, as a thank you, and, and you're done. You're just done. So um, the 
because all their candles will be lit lit when the sun enters the next sign, whether it's Virgo, Libra, whatever it's going to be. On the day of ingress, you light the solar candles. Okay? Did that make sense to you? Yes, I'll just have to figure out the uh, what day to light them. Well, this is an interesting technique, and the reason I mention using it is because you're talking about an indeterminate amount of time, and mm-hmm. I'm talking about breaking this fearfully lengthy, undetermined time into known quantum, so about 30 days for each um, solar ingress, 30, 31 days, whatever it's going to be, and about 28 days for each lunar uh, first crescent. You're going to watch those happen. Uh, sometimes they'll come together and sometimes they'll be apart. It's it's very interesting. It will make you very conscious of time, both moon time and sun time, and that will serve you well in all your magic. But it also gives you marker points in which you can divide the work up so that you don't look at this like when, 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 and, and, mm-hmm. and frustrate yourself. You actually right. have a job to do, and... Um, the um, Evan says the moon changes sign every roughly every two to five days, but I'm talking about one lunation, so that would be 28 days. So um, when you see the first crescent, go online, look for sighting first crescent. The um, the the Jews, the um, Muslims, and the Cherokees all have lunar calendars, and they publish those dates, and you can find them. And um, the solar ingress dates to the different signs of the zodiac are also published online. Okay. Yes. All righty. And uh, I, I, for me, when doing that kind of um, work, uh, I, I find it, you know, very helpful. Very helpful. All righty. Now um, I'm looking at our time here. And we still have a little bit of time. So does anyone else have um, anything to add to this spell work? Perhaps a mojo that might be carried or a piece of paper? Well, I'm still fascinated by the way you set this up. And this is not um, something that I had ever thought about. Um, it's, it's, uh, it's a very powerful way of Fighting time up, like you were saying. Um, I think that I would uh, select an, some herbs for your candles in terms of where you're at at the specific time. So if you're about to start your solar candle and you're feeling um, like somebody is against you at work or you're feeling um, attacked in some way, you would choose root to to help protect you. If you are feeling like you need to to speak up and be more assertive, you could use, or to find the right words, you could use deer, deer's tongue, um, please. And I, I think that by, by framing each candle in terms of what you've written down about um, your progress and adding um, an appropriate herb to the candle, it might give it that little extra bit of oomph, um, a really wonderful way of working. Yeah, the addition of herbs is good. For instance, for the solar herbs, um, you might use something, any kind of yellow herb would be solar. Lunar herbs might be artemisia, willow, anything that has silver on the back of it. Raspberry is another one. Those herbs that are that are silver on the back of the leaf are, are lunar herbs. 
All right. Well, I'm, I think that you will actually get where you want to go before two years are up. I, that was my uh, intuitive take on it, and I, I wish you all the best. I think that if you also, um, you can check in later if things are going well or things are going ill. Ask if you have any problems with any people uh, at the place, what kind of charms we would recommend to wear or carry to protect yourself from negative people, and also what kind of charms uh, to wear or carry to cause yourself to be um, promoted and, uh, and, and rise up faster. Good luck to you. All right. Well, we're going to have our fabulous recorded announcement that comes from the seventh circle of hell. (laughs) The LMC Radio Network is a media alliance whose excellent shows include the Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Rootwork Hour with Catherine Ironwood and Conjurman Ollie, Sundays, 3 to 4.30. The Crystal Silence League Hour with John St. Germain, Tuesdays 5 to 6. The Witch, the Priestess, and the Cauldron with Elvira Love and Phoenix Le Fay, Fridays 1 to 2. And Blue Flag Root Radio with Lady Muse, Fridays 7 to 8. All time specific, add 3 hours for Eastern, sponsored by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California, and online at luckymojo.com. And now it's time to go to our free spell segment with Dr. Jeremy Weiss of templeofmerriam.com in Seattle, Washington. Take it away. (laughs) Hello, everyone. Okay. So I am going to bring us back to um, this interesting character, Sarah Bot Asher. Um, uh, And I, I said, I mentioned before that she is protective against the evil eye. She uh, lived, some people believe that she lived forever. Some people believe that she died in 1133 in a, in a fire in uh, uh, Isfahan. But, but she was in this, they believe that she was in this fire, but when they counted the bodies afterwards, they couldn't find her body. So she actually is one of the people who ascended to heaven without dying. So this spell is for long life, uh, good memory, and protection. And um, if you're if you're uh, not diabetic, you could use honey um, as an ink and write, "I am the seed of Joseph" on five different olive leaves. Remember that that in itself is a protective spell. I am the seed of Joseph in honey on five different olive leaves, okay? And on five other olive leaves, five is, the, is, a, is a number of protection. It references the Hamsa, which is also protective against the evil eye. The other one, you just write Sarah, S-E-R-A-C-H. That's how, what we would, how it would be spelled phonetically in English, Sarah. Bot Asher, of course, you could look up the, the Hebrew itself, on five additional olive leaves, okay? So you got five and five, Joseph and Sarah Bot Asher. And you make a tea from those dried olive leaves, 
just by soaking them in hot water and, and, and waiting, um, you know, waiting for it to change color. And then in an act of contagious magic, you drink in this potion that represents long life, good memory, and protection. Wow. Very, very, very interesting. This is um this is a kind of spell that is it, it it is it starts off in one culture but it also has some like outreach if you know what I'm saying. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, it's a you know we know um, for instance that um, drinking um, prayers is something that's very common in Africa, and it's very found common. in Hoodoo. Um, it's found in Hoodoo a lot, and this kind of goes to that idea of. Uh, how African is Judaism, how Jewish is African-American folk magic. You know, it's a mix, really. The olive leaves mark this, of course, as very Jewish, and the honey marks it as very Jewish because Jews do just about everything with honey. They're really into honey. So, yeah. um, yeah. My my recommendation, though, is that if you're diabetic, that rather than using honey, you write it with Jewish wine. Ah, well, there's, you know. Just to not mess with your blood sugar. So, yeah, right. So Dr. Sweet says, how do you write with honey? Do you use a fountain pen? Evan Leinhardt said a paintbrush. Uh, no, your finger. <laughs> I mean, um, you just dip, you just use your finger. But, I mean, I suppose you could use a, you a, can use a, a little. A, a stylus. A stylus, if a chopstick, want, perhaps? If you a wanted little... to be really fancy, if you wanted to be really Jewish, you would use a yod. Oh, of course, you could use a yod. Um, a yod is a, what's known as a Torah pointer. You're not supposed to touch the Torah, not because it's so holy, 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 and sacred, like some Jews think, but because it's made of of um, animal skin and it's with ink on it and it's fragile and it'll wear away in time and it's very expensive to make one so just don't touch it with your hands because your hands have oil and grease on them so but of course that later became religified and became like don't touch it it's holy sacred whatever well however I, I so there's this it depends again what kind of jew you are uh, but there's a yod and a yod is a little a pointer that has a little hand on it with a little finger pointing and so you you to follow the lines you read with the yod and um, back in the day, in the book Legends of Incense, Urban Oil Magic, uh, there was um, uh, the man who ran that uh, shop, Oracle Products Company, uh, known as Louis de Claremont, and we never have figured out who he was. We know he must have been Jewish because he sold miniature Torah scrolls, and he also sold yads, which he sold under the name of Holy Wand, as if they were, a, you know, like a Harry Potter wand, which was kind of funny. Um <laughs> I mean, I laughed when I saw it, you know. He also sold um, dirt from the Mount of Olives, which is a, a dirt amulet made uh, that's very common among Jews. But that's a whole other thing for another book on amulets, charms, and talismans. <laughs> and um, so, yeah, you can you can use a yad. That would be a great a great thing to use. They come in small sizes and big. The big ones are really long, and they're for very far-sighted people. And the little ones are usually given to a child when they're studying for their bar mitzvah or bat mitzvah, so that in their little, right, Jeremy? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And 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 uh, I was going to say I took the words right out of your mouth because uh, uh, I was about to mention the Lewis Claremont, uh, the Claremont thing, but you already mentioned it. 
And yeah. they're your yeah. words because <laughs> you're the one who pointed it out to me. <laughs> yeah, it was very strange when I was a kid opening up Legends of Incense, Urban Oil Magic and like, there's all this Jewish stuff, but there's also all this Chinese stuff. I have to give him credit also. Uh, he might have been half Chinese for all I know because he had uh, uh, bat nuts and he had dried starfish and all of that introduced for that one strange unknown man, uh, Louis de Claremont, which we know was not his name. Anyway, yeah, I think that would be a good way to do it. Um, there's... um. There's another uh, thing that this reminds me of, too, which is, um, we, and I think that we mentioned this just recently, writing in a bathtub with honey or with um, beet juice, writing a prayer in the bathtub and then bathing in it, uh, running water into it and stirring it into the water and bathing in the prayer that you've written in the bathtub. A fabulous way to work. Often done with the surahs, right, of the Koran. Yeah, well, yeah, or any yeah. prayer. And the um, psalm. O- yeah, it was a psalm. That's a practice found in the uh, spiritual church movement, African-American spiritual church movement as well. Um, and Nagashiva said you could use a quill. That is true. You could use a quill. Um, all right. Well, there is our music, and um, the end music is on. I like that. The end music is on, says Nagashiva in the chat. So let's turn this over to Evan Lionheart, and he will bring us the end. Yep. <laughs> thank you, Ms. Cat, and thank you, Deacon Millet, for being our special co-host. And thank you, Dr. Jeremy of TempleofMiriam.com in Seattle, Washington, for being our guest this week. Join us next week for our special. Our, sorry, <laughs> join us next week for our special episode where we will have Papa Newt presenting to us a topic that will soon be revealed to you. Until then, the Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Rework Hour has been brought to you by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California. You can find Miss Cat via the Lucky Mojo Forum at forum.luckymojo.com and Deacon Millet at fortalters.com in California. I'm your announcer, Evan Lionheart, joining you from EvanLionheart.com in New Jersey. The Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Rootwork Hour can be heard every week live on Block Talk Radio at 3 p.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. Eastern Time, and the shows are available in archive via LuckyMojo.com or slash radio show.html. For all of us at the Lucky Mojo, I'd like to thank you for being here and invite you to tune in once again next week at the same time when you will hear the familiar strains of the Memphis Jug Band playing the Jug Band Ball. Thanks, everybody. Goodbye. Thank you, Evan. Thanks, everybody, for being with us. It's um, always lovely to have uh, people to talk with. Thank you so much, Jeremy. That was a lot of fun. I always enjoy it. And thank you, Deacon Millett, for standing in for Conjurman Ollie. And, um... It was an unusual topic, and um, tickets for the Virtual Hoodoo Heritage Festival 2021 will go on sale May 1st, and um, this is going to be a a wonderful show. Oh, and in the chat, Papa Newt will be introducing new people to hoodoo. That's his topic, introducing new people to hoodoo. Yeah, and um, so I think that covers just about everything, and... um, I think this is the end of the music. So good night. All right. Good night. Good night.
Good night. Thank you. Bye.